Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for And they still had all that money that was given to them by God. And they said, let's get it done. And so the temple project is going to start up. Ezra 3 and 8. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of captivity to Jerusalem began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons, and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. So the Levites are involved. Only Levites could be priests. So verse 8 gives us a date which marked 70 years that they had been in captivity in Babylon. We just jumped 70 years from the time of the second kings. Now, why did it take them so much time after they got back to start rebuilding the temple? So there's a little bit of time that had passed. There's a, a bit of a span of time. Basically, it's logistics. First, people got to have some homes to live in. I'm glad they did the atoning first. They got the altar first. You got to make some houses to live in first. They had to assign a workforce for labor. Plus, they had to get materials uh, shipped in, which were mainly cedar logs from the forests of Lebanon. That's where King Solomon got his for the first temple era, was cedar logs from Lebanon. But I want you to take notice of who their main manager was. That was Zerubbabel again. First off, he was the grandson of King Jehoiakim. You remember that wicked king? He was thrown, dethroned and he was put in jail for 37 years before he finally got right with God. Zerubbabel was a descendant of King David. And as a descendant of David, that makes Zerubbabel an ancestor of Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. He's an ancestor of the Lord God, of Jesus. And he's the one saying, let's get this temple built and I'll oversee it. <laughs> The Lord God had his direct line, I'm going to get this temple back up again through one of my own men of David. This is just cool. Ezra 3 and verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of King David of Israel. Gosh, guys, look how glad they are to be back. Verse 11. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They see this, hey, things are coming back. We're going to get right. It's looking good. Man, we've been under oppression for so long, and things are getting right again. It's kind of like, I thought God hated me for all the things I did wrong. 
but he brought us back. If that don't make you jump, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) They were excited. They were happy. Because they remembered now in this, the covenant that their God made with them. We have a descendant of David making the temple. And there's the foundation. The covenant is still on. God says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to do great things with you. Oh, we ruined it. We're gone for 70 years. God abandoned us. God hates us now. No, we're back. And God's like, look at the covenant still there. How many of you messed up in your life and thought you blew it? Basically, we did. But then realize God still wants you back. After all I did, you're still going to keep me? That ought to make you happy. So they haven't, they're having a dedication service. It was a big celebration because it was their recognition that God still cares about us. God still loves us. He didn't give up. And they expressed it with joy, how even though they'd been sinful, even though they had been hateful, even though they abandoned God and ran off to other gods, that the Lord God still loved them enough to offer them a home where they could live under his peace and his protection. Such thankfulness they had. And this should always drive our praise. You keep a snapshot of this, that God isn't done with you. And let that drive your praise. Praise with vision. Amen. I'm getting excited. I need to get a punching bag hanging up. I can just go smack on it a few times and get myself together. If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. Ezra 3 and 12 But many of the priests, look at this, guys, here's something interesting. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. What's wrong with these older guys that are weeping? They remember the old temple. They're well over 70 years old. They remember what that old temple looked like. And now they're seeing this new one. A lot of it was probably appreciation that they're back. It's like for 70 years, I never thought I would see this day. I never thought I'd see this happen. But I'll tell you the big one, the the big factor that got them. The foundation of this new temple was a lot smaller than the first one. The temple from 70 years ago was a lot bigger. And so to them, it was like, maybe a little bit, we're glad to be back, but maybe it's a little bit of a feeling of defeat. Maybe it was kind of like, here's what your sin did. It made it smaller this time. Yeah, I'll keep my covenant with you, but ain't going to be like it was. Can you see why they wept? I remember the temple was huge. What's with this little thing? What did we do? God, what did we do? They were glad to be back, but gosh, what's happening? So the new temple, it paled in comparison to the, gr- the grand size of Solomon's first temple. But at least they're happy that the Lord had accepted them back again. I'm sure their emotions were all over the place. Let's look at, uh, I want to show you something from Zechariah 4 and 9. You had a a prophet priest have to tell the people what's going on. It says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Don't despise the day of small things. 
How many of you had bigger, better things before you were saved? Oh, I had a lot more money. I had a lot more of this, a lot more of that. Then I got saved, and it seems like I lost a lot of it. I tell you what, when I got saved, I lost a lot of friends. And I could theoretically look at that smaller foundation and weep. This ain't as big as it used to be. But he says, don't despise the day of small things. It's actually good to get low before the Lord and be small. Do you know that? Rather than, I'm here, God. I'm the pastor. Ray Jensen has arrived. Are you ready for the greatest message you've ever heard in your life? Can you imagine if I did that? That's why I shake when I get up here. That's why this pulpit is heavy. Don't despise the day of small things. Zechariah, he was a priest. He wanted to tell him small things can be very good. Just because the temple is small, that doesn't mean there will be less blessing. Just because what you have seems smaller now doesn't mean it's going to be less glorious. It's just smaller. Haggai also, he told the people, look at this, guys. Haggai 2 verse 9, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. It's smaller, but it's going to be better. You feel like your life is less than it used to be? Just because you follow Jesus, that's okay. It's going to be better. So here at the end of Ezra 3, we see a lot of thankfulness. We see a lot of joy mixed with probably regret. A lot of people, they were probably remembering the godly sorrow. They're, they're sorry. Is I, sorry for what I did wrong, Lord God. I remember the things I did against you, and I'm, I'm really sorry. Maybe there was concern. This smaller temple meant that things aren't going to be as good as they used to be. But God said to them, no, things aren't going to be like they used to be. It's going to be better. This is not the United States I grew up in. It's nothing like the United States I remember. And it looks like it's smaller. But if you're a Messiah Jesus, everything's going to be better. Don't judge what's coming according to what you see. The new temple wouldn't be near the size of Solomon's, but the Lord's word was proven true in the fact that this temple was going to outlast the one that Solomon built. It was going to be there for longer than the first one because Zerubbabel's temple was going to still be standing 500 years later when the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, was going to walk through the courts of this temple that they were building here. Oh, that's how good it's going to get. The Messiah is going to be in this one. And so their rejoicing was so loud because in it they were shouting, thank God for bringing us back. He didn't have to. Friends, I can't help here but think of Jesus dying on the cross. If I had been there when Jesus was dying, not understanding the full picture like they didn't understand at the time, All they knew is that our Messiah that we thought was going to get us out of this, that we thought was the Messiah, he's hanging up there dying right now. We put everything into this guy. We thought he was going to undo it, and now they killed him. And everything looked smaller, didn't it? But don't despise the day of small things. But although Jesus' death on the cross looked small, looked just like the death of another low-down person hanging on a cross next to other convicts, His death and resurrection would produce greater 
than the former. Greater than the former. I want you all to know it's taken all the composure I have to just stand up here and keep talking right now. Because I want to lose it right now. I'm telling you. Greater than the former. Thank God for bringing us back through Jesus, though. Now, my old life can be crucified and I can be given an entirely new life. And even though my new life in Jesus has to be a lower walk in humility, it has to seem smaller. I can't be the great Ray Jensen that knows I was trying to be Mr. Radio Man. I was in the radio career. Oh, I'm going to be the big radio. I was going to, everybody's going to like me and they're going to. I was trying to be big. Now I have to walk small, but it's going to be greater than the former. Walking in Jesus may appear smaller because of the humility of, from the big things I used to have, but my new life in Jesus is greater than the former. Now, one thing I want to add is that when we walk with Jesus, life seems to be very, very long, doesn't it? Because you get enemies you never had before. It seems long and very difficult. It's kind of like Israel walking 900 miles over four months. That's a long, tough journey. But I want you to remember, always keep your focus on the vision. Keep your mind and your heart, everything you've got on the destination of where you're going. Don't worry about all this government stuff trying to make you scared of everything on the news. Don't let that get in there. You keep your vision. Walk with the body of Christ, atoned, covered by the blood of Jesus. Walk with vision. Keep your mind prioritized. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal. There's vision in this statement. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The people of Judah walked away from their old life to get back to their land. Their walk was a demonstration. They had drive. They had vision. And that drive was produced by how much they hated their former life. The more I hate my old life of sin, the more driven I am for Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Don't let your old life beat you up. Use it to drive towards Christ. John 12, 25, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Boom, that's a gut punch. Again, can you imagine if any Israelite said, you know what, I'm just going to stay right here. Y'all just go on. I'm going to stay here. I got a lot of money. Money's not for you. I know a lot of people, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got all this money, but I'm buying mansions, cars, boats, this, that, and the other. And it's not, that's not yours. Stop acting like it belongs to you. He'll let you have what you need for your living, but where's your vision in this? If anybody said, I'm just going to stay in Babylon, I'm just going to stay here, they would have been captive to the very end. They're going to die. Those that love their captivity, you're going to die in your captivity. Unless you get up and start walking. We together can show people how much we love the Lord by showing how much we hate this life down here. It doesn't mean you hate the people here. It means you hate your life of sin here. Anybody that knew me over 25 some odd years ago, oh gosh, I hate to even dare try telling you the things I was into. If you knew me then, you'd hate me now. 
As a matter of fact, I got friends still in the same town. This is the hometown I've always lived in. They cannot believe I'm a pastor. They won't even walk in this door because they remember who I used to be. I wish they'd come in here and find out who I am now. But I hate my life so much. I'm so separated from that old life. I'm never going back to it again. Never. Too many people are tied up in their politics, their money, trying to advance their careers, that they hate everybody. I've heard people literally say, I have no problem with God. I just hate people. I'm not even going to try to expand on that one. They're basically saying, I'm fine right here. I'm fine in Babylon. I'm not going, I'm, I'm fine where I'm at. Okay. Friends, I am not fine right here. I want to go home. And I'm marching that direction. So I keep my eye on Jesus, press towards the goal. Now, back in the day, I used to run races. I know it's hard to look at me and believe it now. But there was a day when I could do it. (laughs) And I would run in races. And whenever I ran, all I was focused on was crossing the finish line. When you run, you run through neighborhoods. We went for miles. You'd run through neighborhoods. You'd go next to businesses. I didn't get hung up on somebody's grass hasn't been mowed. Stop. Hey, man, you need to go mow your grass. Not my focus. My focus is getting on that finish line. Gas prices are way too high. Oh, let me go talk to them. Not my focus. I don't like how you think about this subject. I know that. Not your focus. I ran past a watermelon salesman one time. Hey, watermelons are disgusting. Not my focus. We need to stop being distracted. Even if somebody runs faster than you, that's not your focus. Oh, that other pastor has a bigger building. He's got more people. Not my focus. They're doing better than I am. Not your focus. Get your focus on Christ. You believe what He tells you you are, not what everybody else says. Don't compare yourself. You stay focused in your run. So I kept my focus on that finish line, on the destination, the vision ahead. My top priority was to finish and not quit. If you're caught up in the world, the things of the world will cause you to quit. If you think about all those things, it will cause you to quit. A lot of Christians, and I believe they're truly saved, but there's a lot of Christians, they quit. Some people, you get a little money in your hands, you'll start justifying to yourself why it's okay to quit. Because you'll end up glorifying yourself with God's provision that He intended for you to use on His purpose. Focus on the vision. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, the Lord said, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He didn't say whatever you ask in your name, that you will be glorified. He said what you ask in His name, meaning for His purpose, in agreement with His vision, He'll give it to you if you will give it in a way that glorifies the Father. The people of Judah realized that money in the pockets was not for them. It was for God's purpose, and that's why they freely gave it. It's not mine in the first place. It pains me how so many people today, they take their focus off Jesus and they give up on the journey because they think what they have is theirs, and so they will never glorify God with what they have because their own glorification made them deviate from the journey. They're not traveling anymore. They forgot about the finish line. They're messing with somebody's yard or the watermelon patch. Wasting time and resources. Our top priority needs to be like the people of Judah thought. Our top priority means we need to get right with our God and worship Him His way. 
That is what we're here to do. You do that. He'll take care of everything else. So when the people stood together as one man, that means they were in agreement to this new life because they were tired of being as held as captives. And it took them 70 long years to get this humbled down. And so you know they were ready to live God's way, even though everything was smaller. Psalm 25.9, the humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. 70-year humbling has got to be heavy. That's got to be very rough. They were more than ready to get right with God. What's wrong with modern-day Christianity is they don't really seem driven to serve God. They just want to say, abracadabra, I'm saved, and I'm going to mind my own business. God, you stay out of it. No drive. You ever have a coworker that didn't really care to work? They just don't care? You know how frustrating that is? You know how frustrating it is for people that say they're Christian? They just don't seem like they care. They make the rest of us kind of look bad. The people of Judah were ready. Get that temple back up. Let's go. I need the peace. And they cheered at the dedication service. Now, remember, Zerubbabel was a descendant of King David, so they could see that God had not abandoned their covenant that he had made with David. I know sometimes we feel like God has given up on us. Like, where's God now? Where is God in all this stuff going on? What happened to God? Dare I say that maybe we are the ones that gave up on him. When you say, where's God in all this? He's around. Where are you? God never loses vision, but sadly we do. Then there's those who wept because the foundation looks smaller than they remembered. I want you to remember the Lord said, this one's going to be greater than the former. This one's going to be greater than the former. Your life in Jesus goes along with 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's going to be greater life now than the former one you had. And I'm so excited about that. But it took 70 years of smaller to get Judah right with God. There's people out there in your life, maybe, I don't know, whoever you might be, you're tired of smaller. Maybe it takes that much smaller to humble you to a place where you finally have that drive to get back with the Lord your God and be driven with joy for what he has for you. This is cause for celebration. It's not cause for being hurt. It's a celebratory thing. Even though some people wept, thank God he brought us back from the captivity of our sin. I was in the coffee shop, and I had just finished this study about being smaller. And they were playing music in the coffee shop. And right when I finished, I heard the end of a popular song that you know, and it ended with, Little ones, to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And I was just at the table in the coffee shop going, Oh, God. Today, we just entered the second temple period. But y'all, I can't wait for the third temple. Jesus is coming back and he's going to sit on his throne in Jerusalem in that third temple. Oh my gosh, that's going to be so good. But until then, humility is a good thing. Our new life in Jesus may seem smaller, but it's greater than the former. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.